0: Welcome to the Disney Podcast, your source for contemplative conversation on all things Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and everything else Disney. Coming up on this week's show, another Disneyland AP Days event is planned for the fall. Disney continues to amaze with its ability to be innovative and copycats simultaneously. Plus, we spill on our face-to-face with real Disney legends for the Disney Discussion. This is episode number thirty-one for August twenty-fourth, twenty sixteen. I am your host, Brent, and as always, my co-host Jen is right alongside me. How's it going, Jen?
1: It's going great. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good today. Work wasn't too bad, and I'm ready to move forward with a nice, sweet podcast today. So, tell us what's going on in this week's news or scoop.
1: Well, before we bring you the scoop, we wanted to circle back to our Disney discussion topic from last week about what our ideal future world in Epcot would look like. A couple of our regular listeners pointed out that Wally would be a great fit. We agree and acknowledge that we were totally remiss in not including them in our plan and ideas for Future World. So we're probably going to circle back to this Epcot revamp discussion in the next few months, and we hope to engage more with our listeners to bring a greater variety of perspectives to the discussion.
0: Awesome. So why is it a good time to be a Disneyland AP holder, Jen?
1: Well, I'll tell you. We have another Disneyland AP event coming this fall to Disney's California Adventure. So it will be about a one-month-long AP Days event. So it'll be in two parts. From September 6th to the 18th, there will be a Halloween-themed event. Sounds cool. Right? Um, it, and in... Then from September 19th to October 2nd, there will be a Fall Holidays and Thanksgiving event. So both will include character meet and greets for the Halloween um, event. It will be with Wizard Donald and Skeleton Goofy, which sounds
0: super cool, right? This is rad. I've never seen these characters in a park.
1: I'm so excited. And I'm really stoked that we have signature passes so we get the free photos because we're going to be putting those to use for that.
0: Yeah, these are so rare, it seems like. It's awesome.
1: For the second half with the fall holidays and Thanksgiving, we will have Pocahontas and Miko, and also Liberty Square Mini.
0: Liberty Square Mini?
1: I don't know why. Is Other this, than it's like Thanksgiving E Pilgrim E, I'm guessing.
0: I wonder, is this like Liberty Square Mini from Walt Disney World or is this like Liberty Square Mini from the original Liberty Square that was going to be built in Disneyland way back when in the 80s, I believe?
1: I'm guessing it's the actual one from Disney World because.
0: I didn't even know they had one in Disney World though, did you? I
1: didn't know either. I have heard Mini has, you know, when they used to have the Backlot Tour. Right, and you and go on the Hollywood tram thing. Studios? Yeah, and they would talk about how many costumes each of the characters had. Minnie has more than Mickey, and it's like two hundred some.
0: That makes sense. She's a lady,
1: right? And I have heard in looking into stuff for our wedding planning that you can ask for any character to come in pretty much any costume that you can imagine. Can you really, you can. Certain characters can't come together, so you can't have Donald and Buzz Lightyear, for example. <laughs> Why but not? <laughs> well, they have rules about how some of these things work. Fair enough. Certain people can't meet. But you can get Mickey and Minnie in pretty much any costume you could want.
0: Wow, cool. So you, technically, can you get Minnie and Mickey in their Epcot gear? Like Probably. Like 1980s Epcot gear?
1: That would be awesome. Let's put that on the look into to-do list. I agree. That would be so cool. Okay. Each themed event will include special decor for that time. So, obviously, what fits Halloween and what fits more Thanksgiving. Although, that's kind of a funny thing because that's in the park generally. It's kind of seems like the same thing. Yeah, I wonder what we really will see from that or if they're just kind of... Rolling in what would already be there into the event and taking credit for it. I don't know.
0: I'm really wondering what they do here. Yeah. Uh, Because Halloween time is very distinctive with pumpkins and Nightmare Before Christmas. This is all in uh, DCA, though. Right. So I don't know what the difference between Halloween and Thanksgiving are. I think it's the same with the orange and brown bunnies. Yeah.
1: Uh, without jack-o'-lanterns would be Thanksgiving, so it'll be different pumpkins. <laughs> uh-huh. um, there will also be showcases during each of the events with glimpses of the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy attraction that will be taking over Tower of Terror.
0: Looking forward to this one. I hope I see ride video, concept art, something. Yeah. I don't want to see the same uh, thing that uh, Joe Rody put.
1: Let's yeah. be real. It's probably going to be that because it is Disney and they're really hard on giving out stuff on you their own.
0: put something more than that if they announce they're showcasing up-and-coming content for the resort, but you're right. Let's you're right. just go with what you say.
1: Yeah. We'll see. Um, there will also be a glimpse at the Main Street Electrical Parade that is coming, and Food and Wine, which we hear there might be a special one for the holidays, as well as one again in the spring, because that was super successful.
0: Yeah. Looking real forward to the Food and Wine Festival. It was so great when it came back, finally, after all these years to DCA. Main Street Electrical Parade, that's going to be fantastic. Uh, It's coming back. Nothing really to say there. I hope Paint the Night still stays, but I don't think it will. There's no point in having two nighttime parades at Disneyland. It's definitely going to Walt Disney World, in my opinion. I don't know what they can show, really, of the Main Street Electrical Parade that Disneyland fans haven't seen already. Unless they're adding a new float or something that's special, but I don't get that there.
1: It's hard to predict on that front. There will also be complimentary water, which is not a surprise, although this is actually a step down from the other events where they've given you food, too, like popcorn.
0: True. However, complimentary water is worth a lot here in California with the huge drought. Like
1: $3 a bottle or something. It's really valuable. Yeah. There will be activity tables with coloring sheets. So, I don't know what to expect from that. Something for the kids? I don't That's know. for the kids, yeah. This and sounds like something those... in, that would be in stage 17, probably.
0: Yeah, right. And there are all those... You know, hipster adults that seem to like coloring books these days.
1: (laughs) Yes, as well as recipe cards. So the Halloween ones will feature pumpkin twists, pumpkin bread, rosemary lamb chops, and sweet potato biscuits. The Thanksgiving one is a little more exciting with Fritters Yukon potato stack. A chocolate peanut butter french toast and the mickey mouse beignets i'm guessing they're referring to the ones that they serve at cafe orleans right? oh
0: cool uh jen what is a fritter
1: i really don't know
0: okay well we don't know it's what a fritter it's definitely is. fried i agree well we're very uneducated sometimes <laughs> in food and desserts here at the disney podcast if you audience members want to tell us what a fritter is. We'd love to hear. From I don't
1: it. know, but I'm certain that the Yukon potato stack is sliced up potatoes that then are layered upon one another. Oh, well, like Coming you cut up the potato and then you put it back together in a stack right
0: oh wow that's well that sounds good i think i want to get some of that
1: yeah that sounds fancy well they're not serving it it's the recipe card for it so oh, i can try right. to make it for you but we will see how that goes okay <laughs> however there will be ap days inspired menu items at paradise gardens and schmoozies
0: schmoozies that's a nice name schmoozies
1: man. i know that is a nice name
0: bobby loves that place resident <laughs> uh, our resident star wars expert bobby of course. oh bobby
1: there will also be exclusive merchandise at Seaside Souvenirs and the Studio Store, as well as photo pass discount offers and other fall mystery shopper adventure activities. So it sounds like it'll be pretty cool. We've definitely seen the artwork for the buttons brought to you by Jeff Granito. It looks beautiful.
0: Good job, Jeff Granito. Looks yes. fantastic. I don't know if he was the guy that designed last year's or was it this year's ap days it might have been yeah right before the food and wine yeah i don't know if he was the guy that designed that food and wine artwork but if it is they're both seem like in line and they're both gorgeous we love the last year's buttons and artwork so we're looking forward to what uh, what he has to offer up to come
1: without a doubt On top of that, Disney is offering a special incentive for AP holders to carpool, (laughs) which is interesting.
0: Makes a lot of sense here at the Disneyland Resort with not a lot of parking.
1: Yes. If you arrive with three or more in your vehicle, you will receive half-price parking. So this is really only a good deal for those AP holders who have a pass deluxe or blow that does not include parking in that case it'll be nine dollars instead of what 18 now 18 yep yeah if you have four or more in your vehicle you will receive free parking so if you're bringing three people you might as well grab a fourth from somewhere (laughs) (laughs) and all APs with more than four people will receive a special AP button
0: what did you think about the AP buttons? They look nice, but something I don't necessarily need to collect.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's just the standard blue one with the white AP on it, right?
0: It's got the AP logo, with, then yeah. they're just in different colors, so it's yeah. not a huge deal. Yeah. yeah, no,
1: that's not worthwhile.
0: Okay, well, uh, Jedi Hopefuls may be getting closer to wielding a lightsaber. Apparently, Disney filed a patent to create quote-unquote real lightsabers. According to that patent... The air above the audience will be filled with, I guess, a fog. Drones will fly above that air in the fog. Uh, Guests can turn on their lightsaber, like in Jedi Training Academy. And LEDs will transmit, uh, I guess this is irradiated light, towards the drones. The irradiated light sensor in the drones will capture an image of the field of view and project light back through the water vapor fog to the person's lightsaber. So it seems like the lightsaber is going to deflect laser beams. lightsaber will feature haptic feedback, so it'll hum in your hand, and you'll kind of do the whoa, 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 whoa sound.
1: <laughs> that was on point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the haptic feedback vest will register if you've been hit by a beam. This sounds really cool to me. This sounds like the next step to a true Star Wars experience and something... That I think they're filing the patent now so they can do in Star Wars land. Although the patent does seem kind of late for it to come into Star Wars land.
1: It does. It also seems like a glorified, you know, laser whatever arcade thing. What are those things called?
0: Laser whatever arcade thing?
1: Yes, (laughs) the ones where you have the gun and you put on the vest and you go in the dark room and you have things you can hide behind. Oh, laser tag. Yes, laser tag. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Come on. I mean, that's been around for a while. That's a good point. Especially when it comes to the haptic feedback vest to let you know when you've been hit. That makes it sound like it's not necessarily like this is part of a spectacular, right? It's not like this is going to be... A show where there's going to be water vapor above you, and then you get to do this. It sounds more like an interactive game.
0: True. The haptic feedback vest, like they say, is. Just like laser tag. But however, this whole drone thing projecting onto a surface that you hold that turns into a lightsaber. That's I very sounds, cool. I think that sounds really promising. If they can pull this off, it'll be amazing. Yeah. It's something they have to use in the new Star Wars land.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, though. We've heard a lot of rumors about drones, patents and stuff, right? Roots for drones around Epcot, right? And that potentially a replacement for illuminations that could involve drones. And one of the conversations about that has been around drones flying over people's heads and Disney trying to plan routes where that doesn't happen. <laughs> this seems to kind of go against that, right? It sounds like they're right above you, hovering around.
0: Yeah, but maybe they're they're right above you, but off to the corner somewhere where it's not yeah. going to be a hazard or a danger. Because I think you're right. They are doing the illuminations drone thing, I'm pretty sure, according to rumors. And I don't think they're they're trying to avoid at all costs having hundreds of drones for a light show fly over people's heads because that just increases variables of risk yeah. for them to drop onto you know people's heads and that's a huge liability for Disney.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe Disney just came through with applying for this patent a little late and there will be something in Star Wars land. I mean, we've talked about how They really only have two big attractions slated for Star Wars land, right? Mm -hmm. But there's room for more. There's room for one one expansion pad, according
0: to chat, and apparently a rumored transportation system, but that's also been cut due to budget cuts.
1: So maybe something will include this experience. I think they need to
0: hop on it. Sounds amazing. Except for the haptic feedback vest, which just sounds like a fancy term for laser tag.
1: Jedis don't put on vests.
0: No, they don't. But <laughs> humans have to to feel it. <laughs> anyway, that's probably what they want to convey. Meanwhile, the rumor mill continues to churn. Now that Disney is calling it quits on another energy experience, the universe of energy is slated to be replaced with a new rumor from WW News Today: a Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster dark ride. So it's just kind of furthering the rumor they've already said. This sounds similar to the Captain America ride that's going to head to Disney's California Adventure.
1: Yes, it does. The
0: interesting point about this one is in Florida, apparently the renderings are not to include the words Marvel or Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, on the outside of the building. And this ride should be announced by the end of 2016. So that's the end of this year.
1: I get the whole conflict with Universal, Orlando over Marvel stuff but this just seems really ridiculous that they're going to make a ride and then just not put Marvel or guardians of the galaxy on it. And then that's legit.
0: I wonder <laughs> if this is related to that or if they're just scared of what universal could potentially bring litigation wise. to yeah, Disney, I, And so that's why they want to do this.
1: Well, it's kind of like a two way thing for me. I just feel like if, if that's sufficient to put in a Marvel attraction without Universal being able to sue over it then Universal had their lawyers draw up a really crappy contract right right you can make a Marvel ride you just can't name it Marvel
0: Well as I'm concerned uh, or what I've heard about the contract is it's it's mostly the Avengers that that uh, Universal Orlando kind of has control over.
1: Right, and the, the issue Guardians is now isn't
0: included in that. But Disney is being, I think, more like an overabundance of caution, and just trying to, you know, escape any possible litigation that Universal could, you know, attack on them.
1: Right. However, Vin Diesel confirmed that Vin Diesel. Right, because he's the voice of Groot. correct? Oh, uh, right. He confirmed that the Guardians of the Galaxy will appear in Avengers: Infinity War, which will open in 2018.
0: Ah, uh, this is probably where the that issue is the is. issue,
1: oh, right?
0: Okay.
1: Then so that's why
0: they're trying to hide this. But why are they trying to do this? This is I have stupid. no idea.
1: I have this no seems idea. So
0: risky for which, Disney. Which
1: also means that then will the ride not open until after 2018, after the movie's released? And then is that somehow a loophole, like? I'm After c- it's done, then they're good to go. I don't I'm know. I'm willing
0: to call this maybe just a rumor. This seems too risky for Disney to do. This WDW definitely- News
1: Today is really doubling down on it and feels pretty confident. I mean, I've also heard a lot of rumors um, on Disboards about Disney's been sending up like uh, wind testing balloons like they do for the spectaculars above yep. universe of energy, which is interesting with the whole roller coaster aspect. You would need to do that to see how that's going to affect, you know, the construction of the roller coaster and its performance.
0: Right. And they've clearly had Star Lord and Gamora meeting people at Disney's Hollywood Studios for the villains unleashed that I believe happened last year. So yeah. I wonder if maybe part of the contract is if they can get this open before Avengers opens up with Guardians of the Galaxy in, they may be able to to get away with it.
1: There is no way that's happening. <laughs> Universe of Energy has not been closed yet. There is no way. Yeah, there is no way that they managed to build a roller coaster slash dark ride attraction in EPCOT. You're right. This is in Disney. less than a year and a half. This is Disney
0: we're talking about. It yeah. took them 18 months to right. build Frozen.
1: The movie slated to open in May of 2018, right? May or July, something like that.
0: I think it's. I think it's next year. No, Guardians in, of the Galaxy Volume Two is to come out next year because that's when DCAs. No, Tower I'm talking of Terror, about Avengers. Oh, Avengers! Yeah, yeah, 2018. No way. Yeah, this is... Oh, jeez, this is... This is tough. We
1: need to look more into this contract and see what the deal is, but...
0: I I swear I've heard... I'm sure the
1: lawyers know what they're doing, and I'm sure Universals are watching this whole conversation right now and looking into the whole thing, and... Who knows? Maybe Disney's putting out all these rumors and feeding it to WDW news today just to get people to freak out a little. And this isn't <laughs> the plan at all. But
0: I've heard hundreds of podcasts try to decipher this contract from between Universal Orlando and Disney World in Florida about this Marvel thing. And it nothing really comes to a complete consensus besides the fact that Universal can have Avengers-type characters in their parks that they already have, and as long as they upkeep their attractions to Disney standards, then they can keep doing it. Like the Hulk. They just redid the Hulk in Universal Orlando. Right. They just redid it to modern-day standards, so they can keep going with that. So it's just it's hard to interpret this contract, it sounds like.
1: Maybe there's something about creating a clear distinction between the Avengers and other people, and as long as Disney in... The upcoming Avengers Infinity War makes it clear that Guardians of the Galaxy, no matter what side they fight on, are not part of the Avengers. They're a separate group of that's people. Maybe that's sufficient?
0: That could be sufficient. I hope they're not like they don't make this. Maybe they're the on the other the side. Movie.
1: Maybe they're fighting for Thanos. Gamora is his daughter, right? I
0: doubt it. I mean, <laughs> that would totally go against the comics. However... Who
1: knows? It wouldn't serve their whole attraction
0: thing, but it doesn't make sense. I think they make more money in the movie business, but it's very interesting to talk about.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, it'll get a little easier to experience this new attraction as well as others, because Disney is looking to expand DVC yet again with a new wing of the Bay Lake tower. So this is again, just a rumor, but Disney is currently in the design phase of a new wing of Bay Lake Tower. It would be a similar height and size, but located closer to Magic Kingdom. So it will have better views of the theme park than the current Bay Lake Tower. It's also rumored to cost way more than even the current Polynesian renovation. So the rooms are going to be pricier.
0: Interesting. So this is supposed to be closer than Bay Lake Tower?
1: Yeah, it's going to go on the other side.
0: Where is, oh, where's you know? the space?
1: Well, there are trees and stuff there.
0: So they just cut that down? Okay. Yeah. When I first read this, I thought it was going to be on the other side of the Contemporary. No, no. the other towards side towards the Polynesian.
1: No, the other side of Bay Lake Tower, from my understanding. It's also probably five years or more for completion, since it's just in the design phase. And the rumors even say this could be cut at any point in time. However... We stopped just for fun a couple of months ago and talked to a DVC person in California Adventure and heard that the only places there are left to sign up a new contract with are Polynesian and Alani, which really doesn't leave Disney parks goers many options and Uh, really just the expensive ones.
0: This rumor seems like a lot more credible than the Guardians one. I mean, I know what they say it's just five years from completion, but I think this is yeah. this is happening.
1: Disney has a reason to build more hotel space, and it Why in not? no way trumps on the Caribbean beach, DBC villa rumor it sounds like that's probably still going through too on top of it however the convention center at the contemporary is slated to be removed and disney plans to expand the convention center at yacht club
0: and i do find that a little interesting i know they're the most recent d23 event that destination d with james cameron john Linlow, um, uh, joe roadie This was their go-to place for the D23 event, so that is a little surprising. But I guess if they do expand the Yacht Club, you know that could be the new place. You know what? Contemporary is old. True. I would like it probably better at Yacht Club.
1: Yeah, without a doubt.
0: Contemporary is old. Um,
1: On our last visit there, we walked through Contemporary from Bay Lake Tower, where we were staying, at one point to get to the monorail. And we saw buckets in the hotel lobby for water. Right. Right, Because it was raining. Right, yeah. Leaking through the roof. Yeah. I mean, contemporary needs some work done. So I could understand moving the convention center to somewhere newer. Although it bums me out that it's headed to Yacht Club because I want less people to head to the Epcot area because it is my favorite area. I don't it's want more competition there.
0: It's always full over there. Why
1: don't they have to do that, right? <laughs> it's, it's so nice. And it's so nice in part because there aren't quite as many people around there. As soon as you have more people walking on that beaten path every day, it becomes run down pretty quickly, which is exactly what happened to Contemporary.
0: Right, yeah. And we stayed at Bay Lake Tower recently, and it's so much newer. Yeah, but it's still not our not our cup of tea. I would say.
1: Yeah, not Um, quite the theming we want. It's just modern with weird art.
0: It's modern and it has you know some some modern Mickey art, which is cool to see. You know, not our cup of tea as we're full hardcore Disney fans. But for the person that's visiting in that maybe doesn't like Disney as much, it's perfect for that. But
1: yes, definitely, you're right.
0: Contemporary is getting kind of old and. Maybe it going to Yacht Club c- can mean Contemporary gets a huge refurb and update. Is it it needs it. it. It's still nice. I I don't know if it completely deserves the deluxe title it gets. It, it's
1: Yeah, it's I think really it's in nice. need it's, of an update. It's like,
0: almost moderate, you know.
1: California Grill is just so above Contemporary's
0: level, I right? Mean, <laughs> that restaurant is still so gorgeous. Yeah. amazing view incredible amazing food I probably had one of my favorite sushi rolls there yeah you know the hotel needs to match that standard
1: yeah without a doubt well there have been a lot of rumors swirling these days so let's play another round of Disney's two truths and a lie so it's been a while since we played this game this is where I will give Brent three different Disney related statements clues. Um, Two of them will be rumors that people are actually talking about in the Disney World. And one of them will be completely made up that I came up with. And we'll have to see if he can figure them out. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready to play.
1: All right. First up, Disney World cast member sues for performing too much non-tipped work while earning the lower tipped based minimum wage. Number two. Disney animator, who was forced to retire at 65, has still been going to work at the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank without a paycheck or badge for over 16 years. And third, Disney is planning to remove the shooting expositions from Frontierland in Disneyland and Disney World to continue the removal of of gun use by kids. So what do you think?
0: These are tricky. Uh, number two, the Disney animator was forced to retire at 65, but has been going without a paycheck or badge for over 16 years? That's preposterous. And, jeez, oh, same with the cast member that sues for performing too much non-tip work. But, come on, Disney can't remove the Frontierland exposition either. These are, oh, gosh, which one?
1: <laughs> what are you leaning towards <laughs> here?
0: Uh, gosh, if I have to pick one, I'm going to say number one. It's got to be a lie. Disney World cast member sues for performing too much non-tip work while earning the lower tip based minimum wage. Am I right or no?
1: Unfortunately, that is true. So today, the Orlando Sentinel reported that a Disney cast member who was a server at Cape May Cafe at Beach Club and the Wave at Contemporary said that she was forced to perform too much non-tip work without the corresponding pay. So the law in Florida is that the minimum wage for everyone is $8.05 per hour. However, if it's a tipped worker, you only have to pay them $5.03 So if an employee spends more than 20% of the work week on jobs that don't bring tips, but they're supposed to be a tipped worker, they must receive that higher minimum wage for those tasks to compensate them. That makes sense. Yeah. So in her case, she's saying she's spending more of her time, more than 20% of her time working Jobs that are untipped, and it's cutting into the money that she's supposed to be making, and that Disney has not paid her that.
0: So, Jen, tell me which one is the lie? Because I was stumped yet again on your terrific game.
1: The rumor is, or the lie in this case, is that Disney is going to remove the shooting exposition. That is not true. Gotcha. Okay. It is closed as we know for refurbishment in Disneyland right now. That's why I believed it. I, was I like, know. Are you kidding me? I thought it was a good one to make up because we keep walking by it and it shut down and it seems so consistent with the fact that they've removed guns and knives and those toy sales from I the parks. Duped. However, Jeez. that I completely made up. Um, the Disney animator who retired at six and is still going to work for 16 years is true, actually.
0: Is he doing it pro bono or not pro bono, but like does he just volunteer now? What's the story behind that one? He
1: just keeps going to work and they don't turn him away. He continues to animate for them. He seems like he saw Dumbo when he was five years old, thought it would be cool to go work for Disney. He did get a job there. Um, one of his first big jobs was fine tuning the puppies in 101 Dalmatians. Wow! So he's been an animator since 1961, actually.
0: And he just he, he's like, well, you could give me my retirement, but I'd rather keep coming back and draw for you guys.
1: Yeah. Well, Disney forced him out. They actually asked Ugh. him on two occasions to retire. The when he was 65 it was making kind of, too
0: much money for right. Costing him too much
1: money. Well, I don't know about that. But they were saying he was getting a little too old to perform the jobs. So Human Resources told him when he was 65 that it was time to retire. And so he just keeps going. Wow. They don't turn him away. I'm assuming he knows everyone there. So he just keeps going there. And he worked on Monsters, Inc. He worked on Toy Story 2. Wow, I mean, well. he's a big part of a lot of the movies that we see. And so thank you. His name is, let me make sure I get this right, Norman or Floyd Norman. So thank you, Floyd Norman, for continuing to go to work every day for us to watch what you make.
0: Wow. Well, thank you, Jen, for another great tr- two truths and a lie. That's I've been stumped every time I'm batting 0%. That's terrible in the majors. <laughs> well, it's the truth. It's factual. Everything sad is factual <laughs> We took another visit to the Walt Disney Studios for the D23 75th anniversary of the Reluctant Dragon event. We've got all the details about why this was the Disney experience of a lifetime for our Disney discussion.
1: This past Saturday, we attended another D23 event at the Walt Disney Studios. So this was our third visit to the studios. We've also been there for an Alice in Wonderland viewing right before Through the Looking Glass premiered in theaters. And as well for our tour of the studios. Well, this one was for the 75th anniversary of... Of The Reluctant Dragon, a movie that neither one of us had seen. So it was pretty cool to get to go there and see that. However, the real draw for us was hearing that Imagineers were going to be present.
0: Of course, yeah. We had to be there. I was a sucker for that. One Imagineer in particular, and I will talk about it a little bit later. But first, let's go and quickly review kind of the panels that they did before the presentation. Yep. Is this kind of something they do for each kind of anniversary or whatever they do for the d23 event they always have some panels um this one was a little more lengthy i think it was an hour and a half mm-hmm. uh and it cost us 50 dollars to get into this event and that included the panels the movie and uh the so-called party afterwards
1: we also got a free lithograph we and did a, on the yeah, last one too Free gift this one ended up coming with autographs too which really we will get to more so it's worth its weight in gold
0: definitely yeah and since we you know southern california locals d23 is perfect you know people always get pissed you know from other places in the country southern california does get kind of the best d23 events but that's where we the heard studio's a little are bit of
1: that saltiness at the event actually yeah. one of the hosts made a comment about destination d which is going to be at disney world in october november november i think yeah yeah and someone booed it, and he said, Hey, you get everything else, or yeah. the expo, or something like that. And we referring get everything to, else in yeah. the
0: expo. We can't complain, you know. Yeah, we really can't. SoCal, it's where the studios are, it's where all the Disney events happen. Sure, I'm going to miss the death Destination D because it sounds amazing, but at least Florida gets something. Anyway, the first panel talked about old photos from the Walt Disney Studios lot that apparently haven't been seen before. I thought just a real cool memory from this was. Seeing pictures of Walt Disney playing baseball and also in the Walt Disney Studios gym. And then there was a picture of Sean Connery also in the same gym.
1: Yeah, that was um, a picture of Walt Disney and Stakowski, right? Oh, right? Who was and the composer of Fantasia.
0: Yeah, and it looked like Working they were- out
1: together, doing some sort of like tug and war stretch yeah
0: and they you know they said they staged it obviously they were in their kind of work clothes but it was still but it
1: happened it's cool
0: exactly it was just so cool to see pictures i've never seen and i think they touted them as pictures no one has ever seen and i thought that was just really cool
1: yeah another interesting tidbit from that is of course that gym was connected to the top floor men's only Bar thing. thing, yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, where you could get lunch for 75 cents. Amazing. Don't you hate inflation? <laughs> <laughs> as well as the fact that Walt Disney, there was a um, a barber there, and Walt would get his hair cut once a week. He kept that very well trimmed.
0: He did, and that's why every picture you see, he kind
1: of looks the same. He yeah, looks pretty much the same, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could also have your shoes shined. Cute.
0: Which is great, yeah. So... Well, the second panel talked about how the Burbank lot revolutionized efficiency for the studio. I don't really remember much from this one, to be honest. It's kind of boring to me. What did you think about this one, Jen?
1: Well, it was it was a lot about the animation building in particular. So this is this is the animation building that's across from the movie theater on the lot, which is no longer. The animation building now, but you it's, know, because that's the separate thing across the street. What right. is that? Yeah, okay.
0: It's the, yeah, the separate building where you can see that the Sorcerer's Hat, right? That's, exactly. That's the that Roy studio.
1: Disney led. I don't know yeah. what
0: this. I don't know if they still have a man. A man uh, yeah, animation I don't know what they in do in that building, now. building, but it seems more of a shrine or historical or whatever.
1: Right. It was organized in a very top-down sort of way, where the top floor were the people who really had. The overall say in storyboards, where a movie was going, those really high-level decisions. The middle were the managers, the people who made it happen, and the first floor were the basic animators who actually did the drawings of the movie, which of course then kept the drawings closest to the entry to the tunnel to Ink and Paint, which apparently was known as the Tunnel of Love because (laughs) the animation building was only men and Ink and Paint was all women. And there were some meetups in that tunnel.
0: I thought Ink and Paint was part of the animation building.
1: No, remember we walked through that tunnel.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I remember the tunnel. Yeah,
1: no, it's a separate building from it. And there's that tunnel connecting it at the basement level. And they told us how they would take the carts with... Oh, right. The cells on them, right? Spaced out through. And we walked down that ramp and they told us how they used to slide down the Mm -hmm. ramp between the buildings on cells. I mean, just these gorgeous pieces of art that now Disney sells for thousands of dollars. They used to just take all of these cells that they used to make the movies and slide down the ramp for fun, like snowboarding,
0: yeah, and uh, apparently the women used to have little tea parties on in front of the animation building. and Yes. And they, was, they,
1: they didn't have, have a, the fancy penthouse suite stuff like no, the guys didn't. did, so they had to make do.
0: But they did have a, a ceiling or a roof part of the ink and paint building, didn't they?
1: No, we went out to the courtyard. Remember, there was a courtyard that the building stood over, so it didn't get much sunlight. It had a few patio tables. It was kind of depressing compared to what the men had, so the women often went outside on the front lawn to do things like braid each other's hair, (laughs) have some conversations, eat lunch, so they would get outside.
0: What a time. Well, the third panel had... One of our favorites, I think. Uh, Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy.
1: Oh, incredible. And
0: Brett Iwan, who was the voice of Mickey. And they talked about their roles as the iconic characters. Bill Farmer being Goofy for the past 30 years. And Brett Iwan being Mickey for the past five years, I believe. Or five to six years. And how they kind of learned their craft from taking cues from the Reluctant Dragon movie. What did you think about this panel, Jen?
1: It was incredible. I mean, the way that these two individuals switch from being these iconic characters, you know, especially for Brett Iwan, who's playing a character created by Walt himself, drawn by Walt, voiced by Walt, originally. Super
0: iconic. Like, what shoes to fill.
1: I know, right?
0: And sounded just like him.
1: He switches back and forth remarkably well. I mean, on a dime. And and, uh, it shouldn't be surprising because they do this all day long, but it is because it's just, their voices are nothing like these characters. It's not like when you see Alice in Wonderland and you have the Mad Hatter. And that actually is that guy who was also in Mary Poppins. And I never remember his name. You know, there are certain voice actors for Disney who have played many important characters over time. But that voice that you hear is theirs, or just a slight variation of it. These are people doing complete changes in their voice. I mean, just, it's incredible. And Bill Farmer is not only goofy, but Pluto.
0: That's right. I didn't even know Pluto talked, though. Does he?
1: Well, he makes noises and stuff. You know, he barks and things.
0: Fair enough. But yeah, you're right. Incredible. These guys could switch on a dime they were both in you know bill farmer i think was the standout for me oh Uh, without a doubt he's obviously been there and doing the voice of goofy for over 30 years and he could switch on a dime and sound incredibly like it and for 30 years that's basically the the voice of Goofy for Jen and I's entire lives. Like he's oh, our that. voice of Goofy.
1: Yeah, he's the voice that I know and love, and he did an amazing reenactment of what happens for him every time there is a new sound engineer in the studio when he is recording something for Goofy and he goes to do Goofy's classic yell of that Yahoo, (laughs) right? And he says he always tells the sound engineer, you're going to need to turn it down a little. And the sound engineer says, yeah, I got it, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes and does it. And he says he has to do it really loud because that's just the way for him to create that voice. That's how he does it. And it always takes two takes then for the sound engineers he has to, to really get. Turn down the yeah. mic
0: volume because it's like holy yeah. cow, this is
1: yeah. On the second run, turn it down to actually start recording him because it's so loud in the initial.
0: It's incredible, and you know, back to Brett Iwan, amazing voice actor. Uh, he nails Mickey in every sense of the word. Just like Jen was saying earlier, he can switch on a dime. Yeah, it's insane. And what was so cool about this presentation is. They would interact with each other in their respective voices. And yeah. It was just really cool from Mickey to Goofy, back to their normal selves, then back to Mickey and Goofy. They were just so good at it.
1: They were. They were amazing. And a really special moment for me is Switch. which is something we're coming up to next, is that we got to do a meet and greet with all of the panelists after the we watched the movie. Um, Disney provided us each with a lithograph from The Reluctant Dragon, which is just beautifully drawn. It's a very classic hand animation, the kind of thing that you can pick up at Art of Disney, where it's just a few colors with the most basic you know, characters in right, it with right? with an
0: awesome D 23 twist. And it always has that D 23 logo, yeah. which just makes it just even more special.
1: Beautiful. So they provided us with that and we were allowed to have it autographed by the panelists. And of course, Brett Iwan and Bill Farmer were there. They were the last two people that you got to meet as part of that meet and greet. And Brent started asking Brett Iwan about like, did you do the voice for phantasmic? And Brett said, or, yeah, Brett, right? Yeah, Brett. Yeah. It's funny because I'm talking to Brent and that's uh, a.
0: Brett, this but yeah, I'm Brent. Yeah. <laughs> <Steve's>
1: Brett, <yes. laughs> we always go through that mixed up with people. Right. Um. He said he recently did the recording for Tokyo Disney. However, they decided to go with the dubbed Japanese version. So they scrapped his. However, he had to practice the script for a substantial amount of time. Then suddenly he goes, Some imagination, huh? In the Mickey voice, and to a T. I wanted to cry. I mean, it was just so <laughs> incredible because you go meet Mickey and you see these people in the costumes, right? But here's the voice. Here's the person who really makes these characters come alive the for you. The man behind
0: the magic, if you right. will. Besides Walt Disney, of course. Right. But, like he sounded just like it.
1: Well, speaking of which, so Brett Iwan is the one who does the voice for speaking Mickey, talking Mickey magic at Kingdom, Magic Kingdom. Which so is when you go do that meet and greet, it's him. It's his voice doing it. And he talks about what an honor it was to do it for President Obama and the First Family when they made a trip to Disney World soon after Talking Dis- or talking Mickey was introduced. And he had an ad-lib conversation with Malia and Sasha, and he got to meet Michelle, and she called him a baby because he was so <laughs> young making these voices. I can just imagine what a privilege that was. But it, he's, he is so incredible, and he is making... So many memories for so many people now.
0: It's incredible. It it was just an honor to meet these people. One of the highlights.
1: Without a doubt.
0: Not my ultimate highlight, but I'll get to it later. Probably, though, probably your highlight, Jen, right?
1: I mean, it it was really cool because I grew up loving Disney, not from going to the parks quite as much. I did quite a bit. But from watching the movies, it was all about the characters for me. And of course, we've shared the story of when I met Mickey for the first time and how special that is to me. <laughs> that Mickey voice is so classic. You know, it, it's so special for a child. He was one of the first characters that I loved as a kid. Before I loved a princess, I loved Mickey. <laughs> and so meeting a person who can make that come to fruition for you on the spot is just amazing.
0: Yeah, on point, you would never know the difference between him and even Walt Disney. Incredible. The fourth panel was from historian Les Perkins, and he talked more about the studio. I don't remember exactly what he talked about, um, but he did, this was Les Perkins from our last D23 event, he was the one that kind of brought us through the Alice in Wonderland backstory, the Alice in Wonderland dark ride, this is our second time seeing him. He's a good guy. Um, you know, not super exciting, but always he tells us some new things about each project and movie and attraction. And what do you think about this panel? Uh,
1: you know, I, I really can't remember much of it offhand. I think the better interaction that we had with him was again during the meet and greet. And you made a comment about seeing him at the D23 Alice in Wonderland event. And he said to us um, that he refuses to see through the looking glass because he saw the trailer for the movie and knew it was going to be horrible and that he can say this now because he's no longer a Disney employee. I mean, it was incredible to hear somebody just straight up in front of D23 and such an important Disney person say, this was a crash and burn.
0: Oh uh, Yeah, I don't know how he could say that. Isn't he still a yeah. Disney
1: historian? Independently. Uh, independently. Not independently. paid for by Disney. So oh, okay. he can say whatever he wants. But
0: he went on full blast. He was like, yeah, this made me look terrible. I didn't go see it. And, you know, we...
1: Yeah, he still hasn't seen it. We were <laughs>
0: impressed by that kind of honesty right there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're kind of cool. Even though your presentations are somewhat a little forgettable sometimes. But anyway. <laughs> the last and fifth panel was, of course, my favorite guy in the Walt Disney Company, Tony Baxter. He was talking about um, Easter eggs, I guess, in The Reluctant Dragon. And there was a fill-in for his partner, which I believe was Becky Klein. And it was just a D23 guy who came in to fill in and kind of just reverberate off what Tony Baxter was saying. Right. Um, But for me, I'm such a Disneyland sucker and love all of his rides from Big Thunder Mountain to Indiana Jones Adventure to, you know, the new Fantasyland at Disneyland in 83. It was just awesome to see him. But I did, you know, tell Jen right after it seemed a weird fit. Almost like they kind of put his name on the bill for star power, maybe to bring him in to bring people into the event.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't understand uh, why he did that portion of it. And they even called him a host of the event. But he spoke for substantially less than anyone else there
0: which i was really bummed about but what he did speak about it was captivating he was so good uh, like the only tie really that seemed to be was the fact that he worked on journey the original journey to your imagination at epcot right and the fact that how figment,
1: figment was figment inspired was by the inspired
0: Reluctor. by a reluctant dragon right which was cool to hear yeah. And everyone loves the original. An interesting segue. Everyone loves the original Journey to Imagination, of course, with Dream Finder, and everyone laments the loss of Dreamfinder and the original attraction. But it was just so cool to see him.
1: I'm just impressed by how well Tony Baxter prepared for this panel by watching frame by frame the reluctant dragon, including scenes through you know the modeling section room where they actually craft the 3D models from clay of the different Disney characters so that the animators have something to draw from and he showed us all these little bits like can you see who's in this and you see Tinkerbell and Captain Hook and Peter Pan and you know that movie's coming you see sigh and am from lady and the tramp all these neat little things that he pointed out to us were really cool
0: definitely i love his little little jokes too and he was like oh i have just a small little giant big screen you know i think he had like a 70 inch tv in his his house or something oh like i that. did not pick up on that i picked up on that just being a huge a tv Daxter fan, fan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And also his little kind of quirk saying like, you know, we're explaining all this stuff and you guys have like two seconds to catch all of it. He's just very good with talking to people and just being very entertaining.
1: I hadn't seen the movie before and you hadn't either, right? No, we both haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So that was neat uh, to see it. It's actually kind of like a fictional documentary. Right, yeah. So it's supposed to be like how... they Disney wanted to make a story about how the Walt Disney Studios makes animated movies. And instead of taking the straight-on approach of here's the ink and paint room, they decided to make a mini-movie. That's the story of a guy taking a story to Walt Disney to say, you should make this into a movie. He ends up veering off on his tour into the various places where you really see the landmark parts of the process, right? Where you see animation, where you see Ink and Paint, where you see the modeling, the story writing, all of that. And in the end, goes into the movie viewing room. Walt Disney has already made The Reluctant Dragon, which <laughs> is the story the guy was bringing. Um, as a movie, you get to see that at the end, and then the guy goes home. So it's it's really cool. It's a neat storyline. You get all the different parts of the studios, good views of the lots, really interesting characters. I thought it was neat, and it flips back and forth between black and white and Technicolor which is interesting. Very Wizard of Oz-esque.
0: It just shows the genius of Walt Disney, I think, back in the day. It's not just your typical, we're going to show you how the process is, like Jen said. We're going to make it entertaining, too. We're going to show you the process, but also how it works in the, at the same time. It was incredible.
1: Yeah, it was very neat.
0: I'm surprised I've never seen this. It's kind of like a hidden gem, I think. The hardest core Disney fan, I'm sure, has seen this. It's definitely popular. Without a doubt. With the hardcore Disney fans. But it's just fantastic. I it, love... No other company does does this sort of thing. Right. This is just... It's the Disney take, and it's perfect.
1: It's so funny, because someone mentioned at the beginning of the event that the Reluctant Dragon was included on the recent... Um, Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad Blu-ray release, which I of course have, and we've watched both of those, but we hadn't watched the Reluctant Dragon, and I'm so excited now to know we have this here at home. We can watch it at any time.
0: It's great. It's it's yeah, recommended it for anyone who hasn't seen it before or even who has seen it, watch it another time. It's fantastic. Yep. Let's so, jump into the meet and greet. Yeah. What did you think of the meet and greet, Jen?
1: I thought it was really neat. You know, Disney, when we left the theater, they had little stands for food so you could pick up an ice cream bar, not a Mickey bar, which I thought was interesting, just a regular ice cream bar.
0: I guess they don't get them out in the studio.
1: Yeah. And stations for Walt's chili, vegetarian and with meat, which were good. I love it.
0: Don't forget the accompaniment bar. I loved it. You can yes, put some toppings, bar, topi- Toppings, sorry. Accompanyment, too fancy. Yes. Um, <laughs> onions and fresh cheese from when we got it.
1: Jalapenos. Oh, jalapenos.
0: Not pickled, but jalapenos, and they were great.
1: Very good. Well, we decided to skip all of that and hurry on over to the cafeteria where the meet and greet was held, and we got in line. So we were on the, the first people in there and they had the tables laid out so each of like the an panelists yeah each of the panelists was sitting there you couldn't actually like go around the table and take a picture with them but i got a great shot of Brent talking to Tony Baxter
0: my hero the one You know, the guy that makes me want to be an Imagineer, pretty much.
1: It was the cutest thing I ever saw when he got up there and you shook his hand. I
0: think I was the only person that did that. Yeah. Uh, I grabbed my hand. I was like, nice to meet you, sir. Like, I've been wanting to meet you. and
1: Yeah. Tell us what you talked to him about.
0: I, you know, not much. I was very nervous.
1: (laughs) Don't sell yourself short. You had a good conversation. But
0: I did say thank you so much for Indiana Jones. I think I said this on uh, our show before Indiana Jones Adventure is the quintessential Disney attraction, and I said that's my favorite ride of all the Disney rides um, that I've been on stateside. And he goes, you know, that that was my favorite to work on. And yeah, it just, exciting! It, it blew me away. I and
1: was, he even said his license plate says Indy on it or yeah, something like that. his License
0: plate says Indy, and I just I was blown away. I thought it was so cool. He said he had like forty different Indiana Jones Adventure themed. Items in his house, and I asked him about his rumored haunted mansion backyard. Um, apparently, he doesn't have one, but a lot of people have suggested it to him. So he said
1: his house looks like it's haunted, which is interesting, yeah, because it's like he lives in Orange County, right? It's he hard does. to imagine something that looks haunted, especially for someone like me who comes from the east coast where things can be several hundred years old. It's like, what do you have in Orange County that looks haunted,
0: right? But yeah, he, he's supposed to have this creepy looking kind of house, but apparently he's maybe he's going to try to convert it into a Haunted Mansion backyard. But it was just that brief interaction, but it just it made my day. It was, he's just an awesome guy.
1: Yeah, he seemed to really...
0: I wanted to ask him more, but I was starstruck. I wanted to be like... So I know what you were.
1: Th- it was so cute.
0: I wanted to be like, what are the plans for Star Wars Land? Because I know he's still an advisor for Imagineering.
1: Yeah. We walked away and I was like, did you ask him to be on our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That didn't even come to mind when you're face to face with him.
0: Jeez, maybe someday. (laughs) Anything else you want to talk about the meet
1: and greet? I mean, that's where we met um, Brett Iwan and Bill Farmer, as we already talked about. They were really fantastic during that. You know, I already shared that story about... You know, then switching back and forth. It was it was really special. It was a really cool experience. So now we have those two lithographs autographed by that complete panel. And I, I just feel so lucky.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. Well, let's jump into our last feature, Three Hitchhiking Clues. The hint was show. And the three clues were spikes, fire, and airplane. And the answer, of course, was the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. A quick shout out to years on Instagram and our friend of the show at still small world at on twitter thanks for getting it right and thanks for playing guys hope you'll join in for this week's game and this week's game is the hint is an attraction and the three clues are nigel channing i and kodak so once again that's nigel channing i and kodak that's a wrap for episode 31 Thank you for listening. If you're looking for more Disney from us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And while you're at it, leave us a review on iTunes. Have a good one, folks.
1: Bye, everyone. Well, folks, this concludes our show. So thanks for bearing with us to the bare end. And barrel around to see us again.
0: What do you say, Sammy? I say, yo, come back. You hear